Hi everybody and welcome to the latest Dr. Doom Ray uh, and I am joined by our regular, I, 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 I'm going to stop calling you a guest, I said this in the last one, I keep saying guest and you're not really, you're just a co-host so we may as well call you co-host, um, our regular, <laughs> our, our squatter and omnipresent um, <laughs> other presenter, Mr. Toby Rutter. Greetings. Oh, you didn't say greetings traveller. That would have been. I should have said greetings, traveller. Like, you should. Pretend you didn't hear that. Greetings, yeah. traveller. Nice. Sitting <laughs> comfortably on your chair, sofa, or beanbag, if that's how you choose to live your life. And if you don't know what that's a reference to, wrong podcast. Um, wrong podcast. If you do know references to, big internet points for you. Yes. <laughs> and um, yes. Yeah, so um, today's topic of conversation. Let's just get straight on to it. Um, we were going to call this the Screaming Fangirl Edition um, of, of, uh, <laughs> of Dr. Doomery. Um, but um, so essentially, um, we um, went to see Guardians of the Galaxy today. Um, and I went along hoping to see um, what what many people have kind of talked about and what, you know, what I was hoping for was was the new star wars and i think for the first time in my life i felt like i was i was watching you know the kind of birth of of that kind of series of films now i'm not saying it is the new star wars i'm just saying i i can see where those kind of comparisons come from you know what what was your initial it has thoughts a very to... star wars you feel to it doesn't it yeah and i would say yeah and to be honest i mean it's it's a it's a love letter to star wars in the way you know i mean the I know the original Guardians of the Galaxy name goes back to I think the sixties, maybe. Um, you know, in terms of the comic books, um, that's when they were mm. kind of first named. But um, the comic books, especially in the kind of more modern iterations, were were a bit of a kind of love letter to Star Wars. And I think that the film had a lot of Star Wars in it. Um, mm. But it was, you know, I, I think it's almost unfair to. You know, now that now that I've seen it, it's it's unfair to to kind of say, you know, oh, it's it's like Star Wars because it it's definitely its own being. It's its own breed, and I think it, yeah, it deserves to be known as Guys of the Galaxy rather than just Marvel Star Wars. Yeah, and, and it I think, has its uniqueness to it. Yeah, and I think well, it's not long till we'll see Disney Star Wars. <laughs> so um, <laughs> this is know. true. Let's not worry about that. But I think you know, probably the more the more interesting aspect is is what it does for the Marvel universe, and 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 it's a very interesting new direction or or kind of um, you know path that they they're going off on. Um, I think you know the, it was funny because when we left the cinema, kind of the first question um, that came into my head was, was it as good as the Avengers? Um, and you had an interesting theory on that. So let's hear your theory yeah, and then I'll so, give you my answer. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this, my comparing everything to the Avengers has been kind of a thing, especially in um, Marvel phase two. Um, the Avengers was so good. It's kind of natural to go, Oh, was, was winter soldier as good as the Avengers is guarding the galaxy as good as the Avengers. And Winter Soldier had a very different comparison because it, it's still one of the individual superhero films. It's it's for Captain America, it's its own film. Whereas Guardians has the, the Avengers has a very ensemble feel to it because it's coming together with all these different um, characters into one kind of group. And because Guardians follows a group of of heroes or 
anti-heroes. It's probably easier to draw a direct comparison because it's it's focusing on a group of characters rather than just one central character with some supporting cast. But Guardians in itself is very different, I feel, to Avengers. If nothing else, because this film was an introduction to all these characters, whereas by the time they came to Avengers Assemble, we were already well aware of who each of these characters were going into it. Yeah, and, and, and I think... Yeah, and I think it's it's an interesting angle, and I think you know probably one of the things that's worth saying is this this will have spoilers in it. Um, you know, we we will discuss okay. <laughs> um, we will we will discuss aspects of the film that if you haven't seen it, you know, it would be considered a spoiler. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I think there was a lot of moments in the film that I <laughs> I felt kind of forced to make comparisons to the Avengers because there were so many Avengers esque moments. So one of the really obvious ones mm. for me was when Karen Gillian, um, who isn't as hot in this as she is in Doctor Who, but you know that's probably because she has a shaved <laughs> head and is blue. And more of a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know when um, when Nebula appears at the top of the stairs and begins her speech and then is promptly hit by a rocket. That <laughs> yeah. that very much reminded me of the Loki Hulk moment, um, but I think you know the the Loki Hulk moment where you know he he begins his speech and and the Hulk smashes him into the floor is so much funnier because you've watched these characters develop over so many films and you're you're used to that, um, you know that that kind of speech that all the kind of yeah, big epic evil, speeches that Loki is. does. Yeah, and, and I think... Yeah. You and know, also, it's that kind of the build, I'm going to tell you my plan before doing anything about it. I think the yeah. other thing that's brilliant about that shot is you don't expect Loki to go down that easily. No, no. Because he's been sort of the big bad guy of the film. You're sort of like, oh, okay, it's the big confrontation. And it completely takes you by, like, by surprise when the Hulk just goes, meh, smack, smack, smack. And then you remember, oh, yeah, we're dealing with the Hulk here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I, I think with... With, you know, what I said to you when we first left the cinema with the Avengers, I felt I'd earned seeing those, you know, seeing all those people come together. And when there is that shot where they're in New York and you see all four of them and there's that beautiful 360 degree shot and it yeah. is just game on. Um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, there's there's the epic kind of city destroying set piece at the end of um, at the end of. Guardians of the Galaxy, but I also think something was lost there where in the Avengers, because you're watching New York being torn apart, it's yeah, you have a, it's somewhere you know, it's somewhere you're you're familiar with. Um, but you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the city is is um, beautifully um, realized, and and to be fair, if there was one aspect of that film that that stole the show for me. It was just the settings, you know, they were absolutely stunning. Oh, yeah. um, I've got a, I've got a shout out to that. The, they do a good job of, they sort of, they, they, they galaxy hop a bit within the story mm. and it's really nice because everywhere they go has a really strong character. Mm. The, the design of the prison that they are in, the design mm. of Zandar itself. Well, nowhere just looks unbelievable. Nowhere is just mental. This is like an illicit mining colony. Um, Set in the head just, of a, of a slain yeah, celestial being. Yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. like whoever did these set pieces was just like ah oh, massive respect to them, and the design of the ships 
it's something I'm going to call out straight here. The design of the the Kree warship that mm. the, um, that Ronin flies or commands is is incredible. I love the the fleet of the Ravager ships. Yeah. Um, that the uh, um, uh, that Peter Quill flies one of these ships, and that was one thing I really liked is I like the fact that he's flying a ship that is part of basically like a you know it's a standard model. Yeah. Well, he he flies an X-wing essentially. Things. Yeah, well, yeah, he flies like an X-wing, but that's great because that means he can do things and with it, and it will get trashed and whatever, and it will still be there. Whereas mm. if the, if anything ever happened to the Millennium Falcon, you'd be really like, that was kind of that was kind of a one of a kind thing. You didn't see anyone else flying Millennium Falcon, so yeah. But also, the thing that you missed there, iconic design, is if if it was a case of you know Han Solo flew a regular fleet ship, then pretty much none of the three films would have been able to be written because George Lucas is like go-to crisis to put to put the uh, the cast of Star Wars in mm. is and ship breaks down. Um, it's this amazing how none of these ships carry spares or there's not an AA or, you know, anything, yeah. <laughs> anything like that. It's like poor, poor forward planning um, mm-hmm. from the crew of the Falcon. I'm just going to shout out that one of my favourite scenes was the, the prison breakout scene. Mm. Um, towards the at this point, this is when the the characters have sort of they've all been forced together, and I, I love the way they introduce them all being in the same place. Actually, mm. um, that's a really good scene in itself. And then they get put into this maximum security style prison where the guards just stop people getting out. Everyone inside the prison sort of just runs their own bit. And there's the wonderful bit when Rocket's outlining his plan of how they're going to escape. <laughs> And saying how and how to get this battery out of that they need this battery and how to get it out and that they should really do it last. And in the background of this scene, Groot is just the focus is on the, the three characters discussing it. And in the background, Groot is just sort of stretching up, pulling this battery off the wall, and you can unplug it and it's still connected by a green wire. And Rockets at this point really clearly stating that as soon as you break the wire, the whole place goes into emergency shutdown. So they should really get the battery out and then Groot pulls it off the wall. And, and it's just just perfect yeah and, and I think you know the one thing that is worth saying about this film is it is genuinely funny like there are you know I think Bradley Cooper as as Rocket is brilliant but I think more to the point um, you know Chris Pratt as Peter Quill is just oh. unbelievable like he's just so good um, and I think you know that people need to remember you know for, for someone who is essentially a a comedy actor, you know, to go from he that to kind of so well into this. Yeah, and you know, to me, he was because my worry was from the trailer. I was worried he'd be a little bit too Robert Downey Jr. Mm. Um, you know, because he had that real kind of Downey Jr. as Iron Man vibe about him in the trailers, but he was just absolutely yeah. brilliant. You know, a real, a real kind of standout. But to be honest, everybody in it was was spot on. The only, you know, the only, the only person I kind of that jarred me a little was Lee Pace. But that's just because I'm seeing him in everything at the minute, um, and mm. I was a, I was a huge fan of Pushing Daisies. And he is the pie maker. He's this kind of gentle, lovely man who bakes pies. And, you know, he's always riding giant elks and uh, and leading leading armies of the undead at the minute. So it's, <laughs> it's a little bit jarring. But um, no, and, and yeah, I think... The person I actually... Oh, sorry, continue. No, go, 
please I think. okay uh, so, uh, the, the the one i want to actually like kind of shout out to is you know obviously you know rocket was fantastic you wouldn't even, i i don't think you'd even notice it's bradley cooper unless someone told mm. you it was him i never i never consciously thought oh that's bradley cooper's voice but weirdly the first thing i want to sort of like shout out to for the, for, for guys is is dave batista yeah he was amazing when because when they were sort of like announcing the casting and stuff like oh he looks he, he looks he looks drax like you commented you'd like to see his skin be a bit more green but we kind of threw about some ideas why they may have not gone for that mm. but a lot of the a lot of the people I was talking to about it who weren't is instantly sold on the idea of Guardians were like, well he's just you know he's just a, like a just a hard man you know I'm not I'm not convinced it's going to do mm. it and I think the way they they handle Drax's lines and what he says like allows him to be what he can be it they yeah. don't try and they don't try and make him into something that he's incapable of doing and so no. it doesn't jar it's he, he has this wonderfully like. Everything Dead is pan. completely literal. Yeah. Pan. He, he doesn't understand the concept of metaphors. He says some genuinely brilliant, funny things because they're just so kind of deadpan. And then he just beats the crap out of things and is mm. it's just angry. And you sort of you believe it all. Yeah. And as a result, I felt like that could have been the weak point essentially in the Guardians. Mm. I was I was pretty confident that everything else was kind of good, was gonna line up from just having seen it, but it was like, what's gonna, what's Drax gonna be like? Is it gonna, is it gonna feel like there's a weak link? I really hope that there isn't gonna be a weak link, and I, I didn't feel like there was. That was no, and, and I, I really think pleasantly surprised by that. You know, it was nice to see Vin Diesel giving what I think is the greatest performance of his career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I think Riddick is the best. Uh, I, I love the Riddick films. I love they're real kind of guilty pleasure film sorry but no um but no th- there was absolutely no one who let the side down like glenn close as nova prime uh when she oh, ends ends a diplomatic call and just goes prick <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was lovely um and to be fair john c Riley. yeah her and john c Riley. when mm. when uh, peter quill says it sends his big begging for help message which involves saying that he knows he's an arsehole but he's not a complete dick. And, <laughs> and Glenn Coe asked, do you believe him? And instead of, obviously, he's asking, do you believe that they're actually going to help us? Um, and John T. Riley goes, well, I don't believe that anyone's 100% dick. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. just so good. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think... The, you the know, comedy in it is just... Awesome. Yeah, and, it, and it's so tonally different. Um, you know, to to the other Marvel films, but then still feels like it's of the same universe, which is good. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think one thing that's worth worth talking about is our first view of Thanos. Um, and uh, I thought he looked absolutely badass. That's it, if that's just me. Um, yeah, I have some difficulty with it. I'm kind of I write, I'm writing a line between him being really badass and just being a bit too cartoony. I haven't quite... Especially his face. It's always his face I have a problem with because they show mm. his face at the end of Avengers. And I just... Like, it looks like Thanos' face from the comic books, but it just doesn't quite... I'm not sure what it is yet. I'm not... Maybe I'll... Come more forward on it See, he's, he's like... He's considerably less stocky than he is in the comics. Like, he, he's quite, kind of shorter mm. and fatter normally, isn't he? Um, you know, I'm thinking yeah. of the kind of classic, the classic shot that they based the Guardians of the Galaxy shot on, and he's mm. he's he's quite squished in the uh, in the comic books. But no, I, I really liked him, and they, you know, they they 
I remember quite some way back, you know, we talked about the idea of how they kind of tie all the films together in, in phase two and move into phase three. Mm. And, uh, and we were right on the stones. Um, yeah, the Infinity, Infinity Gems are it. We've yeah. seen three of them now. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, well, the one of the best one of the best forum lines I've read recently was somebody was asking what were the colours of the gems, and people started reciting the colours and where they thought they'd come in, and somebody just put the green one is clearly going to come from Green Lantern, and I just oh anybody anybody who knows you know uh, knows internet chat rooms well enough but the thing is is that I have this thing with the I Infinity Gems crucified surely yeah. <laughs> well what I love is I, I have this thing about um, the Infinity Gems that I don't know why but at some point I've always wanted them to just buy the rights for the Fifth Element comic books just <laughs> just to have the ask for a case with five stones in it um <laughs> Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. <laughs> there are no stones. Um, and, um, but it will it will never happen. But um, no, and I thought, you know, Thor, the Dark World, it had it had its ups and it had its downs, but it, it, it introduced, you know, the ether uh, very well. We've, we've seen the Tesseract, um, you know, and I just hope that, it's not a case of like they're all just kind of slightly forced into the rest of the films. Um, um, I don't think they will be. I think because they've got they've got three more to introduce, mm. and they've got they've got a two, another Captain America, another Thor film, another Guardians film, mm. and Avengers three, which is where all this is going to be coming together. Well, that's really. presumably when the Infinity Gauntlet will come into it all. Yeah. I'm assuming that Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet are Avengers 3. What with, I know there was a lot of assumptions initially before Avengers 2 was announced to be Age of Ultron, mm. um, that, that that's where it's all going to come together. And if I had to put money on where they'd come in, I would definitely bet Thor and I'd bet Guardians 2. Yeah. I don't see Captain America as likely or Avengers 2 as likely just because they both sit on Earth and the Tesseract already came but did the Tesseract come from a meteorite and then the the um, Hydra got it? I can't remember if Tesseract was actually found on Earth initially, but I find it a bit... I'm sure... I think I'm sure. doing a pretty good job of spreading them out. Don't they, the Tesseract is found in Captain America 1, isn't it? Yeah, it's Captain America 1, yeah. and then he takes it under the ice with him, and then it mm. gets brought back up in Avengers and mm. starts the whole uh, Avengers storyline. And I think, you know, that's, that's an interesting point. So for me... Um, the best Marvel film in terms of the film is Captain America Winter Soldier. Like that film mm. was absolutely amazing. I absolutely loved it. It's not the most entertaining. Like I'd argue the Avengers is probably the most like just kind of balls to the wall entertaining film. Like if, yeah. if, if, if well, I, I ever Captain America is like their most serious and they're also their best. Best yeah. transition from, from, from the first film to the second film. Yeah, but also to me, it was it was um, it was by far the most intelligent. Um, mm. You know, there, there was, and oh, yeah. I think they kind of what I found nice is so for me the the Marvel films. I my worry was so they clearly kind of set out to catch a certain audience, and my worry mm. was so if you look at Star Wars, one of the great things it does is it grows up with its audience. 
So yeah. if you look at kind of the tone of Empire Strikes Back and, you know, that kind of thing. And to me, Winter Soldier was that Empire Strikes Back moment where you saw, you know, you saw the the kind of flag-flying Avenger start questioning mm. who this he was fighting for. This is what was so perfect about Winter Soldier. And what was so perfect about the way they did Captain America 1 because going into one, uh, these points are mainly being reiterated. They're points I agree with. I, I'd love to have said I kind of completely came up with what I told. But going into Captain America 1, a lot of people were like, Captain America is a bit goody two-shoes, a bit old-fashioned. I don't really like the sound of him. As a, you know, he's not, I don't think he's going to be interesting. Mm. And so the decision was to make a thoroughly old-fashioned film, yeah. which sets up the origin of Captain America. And it worked perfectly because he was in his, he was in that golden heyday, kind of honourable soldier kind of thing. And that works really well. And then for number two, what was so brilliant was that they 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 took the paragon of justice, the the kind of everything is good versus evil, and put him in the centre of twenty first century espionage. Everything is grey. We're we're attacking before before the enemy does anything to us mm-hmm. uh, in the name of security. It was loads of parallels being drawn to you know modern America post nine eleven mm-hmm. and. And it was this this character trying to sort of make good in a world that he didn't fit in. He was very clear, I don't fit into this world of of espionage, and I'm going to try and like just apply my my uh, ideas of, of like virtue and of justice and of of what is just right, and I'm just going to try and force it on the world. And it's it's brilliant for that. Yeah, and and I think it's you know to, to me. What I found so interesting was it was, I think, what Iron Man 3 did so badly. Um, so so weirdly, Iron I Man thought... 3 was kind of riding that line, wasn't it, between being yeah. serious and trying to be... And it just didn't... I feel like it just didn't know which camp it wanted to be in more, and as a result, it comes across a bit, yeah. bit mixed. Yeah, and I think, and I think you know, um, Thor, The Dark World, had, had, kind of, had a similar thing where... You know, it had one of my favourite moments out of all of the Avenger films when, um, well, out of all the Marvel films, when um, Loki becomes Captain America. Like, I absolutely loved that. Um, But they seem very confused. They seem, you know, they didn't really seem to know which way they fell. And, you know, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy, it's one thing that I really liked about it was they chose a direction and they stuck with it. You know, they they, they did. They They were very clear. Yeah. Um, and just where they want to take it, yeah. And and I think you know the the thing that I found really encouraging about it was they, you know, whilst the film clearly ended setting up, um, you know, setting up the the next Guardians film, I didn't. So that there's a definite Marvel formula, you know, that there is. Um, mm. But I felt. Guardians had a lot of closure, whereas I feel a lot of the Marvel films are very much kind of this is an hour and a half prelude to the next film. Um, yeah, which which was you know something that, something that I loved, and I think you know with with Guardians, the the you know there was there was a lot of things that I think deserve credit. You know, we we talked about the the set design and and the. Um, these these beautiful vista shots that they that they threw in there, but one of the best things about it for me was the soundtrack. 
Oh, without a doubt. And I think that's one of the things that really helped to to sell the mood as a film, mm. to let everyone know that this, what kind of a film you're watching, you because by having all this kind of weird 80s cheese, it's like this is a semi-serious, you know, this is this is only a, vaguely serious. Like there's a, you know, there's there's a very real threat that these people are coming together and fix, and it's and it's in a world where, you know, these characters aren't they aren't heroes. They are sort of just they're either criminals or they're anti-heroes or they're, but it just has this sort of tone of kind of light-hearted fun injected yeah. by this cheesy 80s soundtrack. And I remember you sending me. And, um... A, a picture that was two Star Wars geeks standing by a Star Wars poster and they said oh it just looks like a kind of bad Star Wars to me and the other one says yeah it looks like a bad Star Wars if you just took out the droid and all you know all the droids and all the crap yeah, it was take just out left the, the bounty hunters the, yeah it was like take out the I thought okay it's, it's a Dorothy comment, uh, comic I will, I will read it to you so <laughs> like, I get it right but it, it, it's true it's sort of like it picked um, it picked the sort of this is the core bit we want more of. It's like, oh yeah, so it looks like a Star Wars knockoff, except if all of Star Wars was Han Solo, Chewie, and all the bounty hunters, and got rid of the plucky farm boy and the British droid comic relief. Yeah, and that's just that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The comic relief instead was a really aggressive raccoon and his seven foot tree friend. Yeah, really, all the characters. Actually, I wouldn't say there was. That was the nice thing is there wasn't. There were a group of people, and it didn't feel like, oh, this one's just been tacked in there because they're going to be the one that's a bit funny. They were all like, they were all badasses. They were all funny. They all had different kind of motivations, and and that just worked. It just kind of gelled together really well. And I think they did a really good job because in no none of the other sort of Marvel superhero films have they had to deal with introducing that many major characters in one film. No, and and I think you know the the other thing that I think is really worth saying is not only did they kind of very much glue, but they also, as well as having kind of very good comedy timing and all of this kind of stuff, there were genuinely beautiful moments between you know all the kind yeah. of cast members, you know, and um, so when there's a moment when Groot creates kind of a cocoon around um, all of the protagonists and then releases these fireflies inside uh, inside of this cocoon. And it's it's kind of a beautiful shot. But there's also a moment where mm. they they all, you know, the, there's there's genuine friendship there. You know, there's, there's kind of a very heartwarming, heartfelt aspect to the film. It's not just mm. kind of, you know, gunslinging and, you know, um, there's... Yeah, well, there's a one of the, the big, like, um, kind of plot points in the, or developments you go through the film is these these group of people come together out of, like, an, a less than ideal situation and they realise that they can they can work together for a, for a gain of money mm. being their primary motivator if they just sort of stay together for a bit as, a, as an incentive for why they stay together. And across... Uh, across the length of the film they become friends and they all become sort of the first friends or the only friends that they each have mm. none of the people in this none of the characters in this film are the kind that make friends easily or have you know they're not a very social cast and so you see them have their get the first sort of friends in their life and that's a really nice kind of 
plot point to be uh, to be developing throughout the film. Yeah, and I think um, as how well, these the th- people become just friends. Yeah, and uh, and I think what it does so well is it does that honestly. It doesn't feel kind of forced. Mm. It doesn't feel, um, you know, kind of, you know, it doesn't feel crowbarred in, as it were. Um, and the other yeah. thing that's nice is it has very clear set pieces, like you know the yes, but at no point did it feel like all of the set pieces were just like, right, we need a set piece to get to this point, And then we need a set piece to get to this point. You know, yeah. it, it felt like a kind of organic journey that they went on. Um, and what, what I did like was they weren't, it, it wasn't a case of kind of like, you know, Oh, we're misunderstood and we're, we're trying to be good. It was, I yeah. always like this idea of that. people, you know, people just kind of doing what they do and, and they end up saving things as a kind of byproduct of what they do, rather than people yeah. kind of setting out to be cape wearing. Um, yeah, they never you know, set out to save the world. It was no. just the inconvenience that they were in the world as it was being destroyed, and felt and felt like they should do so, you know, do what they could about it. Well, there is and there I is like the that. amazing line when he says, why, "Why would you like to save a galaxy full of idiots?" And he says, "Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in this galaxy." <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's stuff like that. It's kind of like, okay, this is this is really appropriate, you know, that they are. It kind of sets the scene, and that's why I think it's really nice about Guardians as an addition to the Marvel, like to the Marvel, ex, you know, extended universe. Is is it's very different in tone because of that, because you aren't talking. I think that's one of the things that why it was really clever to do this has become a very much a guardians and marvel extended universe talk but i think it's what was so good about initially doing iron man because everyone's got all these ideas about what a superhero film's like and so they pick the the marvel version of this is the anti-superhero you know he's he's in his real life he's this detestable human being who's narcissistic and very self-centered and um and then he takes it upon himself to be to create this alter ego so he can be better than himself and that's what makes him like an interesting character because you have that duality to him but then all the all the others you know thor it's very although he has interesting developments in his films and stuff you are you are still looking at the kind of the superhero model of i'm going to do something i'm going to say it's up i feel like it's my duty to save people and guardians is another thing that's on the line of you know we do a little bit good a little bit bad a bit of both that's an that's that's what they are um, mm. and and that's kind of it's a nice it's a nice addition it adds some variety um and adds a lot of you know that that brilliant moral gray area mm. <laughs> for every interesting to see if they go if they do some more serious um add some more serious elements in the in the future guardians films or whether they while still keeping the sort of the tone quite happy that's i'll be interested to see where, what direction they take it with mm. yeah, going so- forward so to me, I, I kind of wonder whether, as as the kind of traditional um, Avengers films become more and more um, serious in tone, like if you look at the Winter Soldier, if that's if that's yeah, a, if that's I mean, t- to me, all I want them to do is make Civil War. That's, that's like, oh god, I, I, I just I think it's I think it's something that might be happening because if you look at um, what they've described about the 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 plot of where they want to go with Ultron, it's 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 I really like it because they they've been making a really big deal of the events of the Avengers. Mm. Ever since the Avengers, Tony Stark's character changes a lot. He's like I, I just 
you know, the, the scope of it changes it. And because they've gone down the route of Tony Stark creating Ultron instead of, I, I believe, is it Ant-Man the comics? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not completely clued up. But they've gone down the route of Ultron being a creation of Tony Stark intended for the good of, like, you know, we can't keep doing this forever, but we need to keep humanity safe. And it's his kind of trying to find a solution. And it's that age-old problem of a robot that becomes self-aware and realises in order to defend humanity, humans are the problem. Yeah. And and that's kind of interesting that they're following off this sort of momentous event and and everything's quite dark, you know, shield, all the events of Winter Soldier have happened. Mm. And you're going and I feel like oh, you know, Age of Ultron is only gonna be a sort of a darker place post Avengers and then Avengers three is just gonna be kind of full on oh crap, Thanos wants to destroy everything. Like this is this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> kind of big kind of climax piece. Mm. And you know, so so I wonder, you know, whether whether Guardians of the Galaxy will provide that that kind of comic relief to to the universe, to the rest of the films. You mean mm. if the rest of the universe is going that direction, keeping mm. Guardians as a that's an interesting point, and probably not that unlikely. Yeah, and and, and I think you know, it's it's also because. I mean, the nice thing that, that Guardians has in its premise is it has a similar thing to Star Wars, where you can kind of get away with wiping out a planet because because that universe is you know is set up. And, and the thing is that with the Avengers, whilst there is you know Asgard and all of those kind of places, really they are set on Earth. They are terrestrial in their in their um, yeah. in their setting. And I think um, and Earth is always kind of the stakes. Yeah, 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 um, and I I think it's it's one of the interesting things about the introduction of or, or when they when they introduce Thanos is one of the things that I'm really intrigued to find out is whether they go to that galactic scale. So obviously it was kind of hinted at in Avengers, um, where you know where the where the um, oh, how have I forgotten the name of the army? Good. Oh, to the Gisari. Yes, um, the, uh, but you know, the, the, slightly wrong. Yeah, but the the fact that they how have I forgotten the name? But yeah, anyway, the um, the the fact that they're kind of from another universe, um, and you know, they Tony Stark kind of breaks out of Earth, as it were. Um, but I don't think you know. I think it's very much going to be more the story of kind of Thanos coming to Earth than the Avengers yeah. going to him. As it were, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's yeah. I think our guardians will remain on an intergalactic scale, and the all the rest of the the, the Avengers and their individual films are going to remain very much a, with the exception of maybe Thor, which is already on the kind of the Asgard. Mm. Um, it's on that sort of other plane, but the other ones I can't imagine, and that's why I think you're more likely to find the Infinity Gem introductions in in the Thor movie and in the Guardians. Um, sequel because those are just the ones that are going to be on other planets or in in different parts of the galaxy is is my theory anyway. And um, and will <laughs> the Guardian? Thing to shout out. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. It, back in the, it was one of the most the bits that had my you know my side splitting in Guardians was the uh, we have a legend on Earth of a, <laughs> of a man <laughs> called Kevin Bacon yeah. <laughs> went to a town with people with sticks at their arse. Yeah. Oh, it's. Brilliant! You just described the story of Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> it's a legend. 
But I think and it ends up because legends are just stories often, but you never think of describing, you know, <laughs> a musical as a as a legend of, of your people. No, but I think it's one thing that I actually thought was really, really interesting. It's something that I've never kind of thought because I've read I've read a fair few of the Guardians comics, but but I'm not kind of really, really well read. I, I read volume two and three, but I haven't gone um, and read bits of kind of the Thanos uh, initiative and all, all all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, I think you know the the thing that I find really interesting is with with star lord being kind of a 1980s child of earth Mm. there was there was a lot of kind of pop culture references in there that that were really nice to be able to have in kind of a star wars style setting um yeah well i think they wanted to do the same thing that yeah they wanted they 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 found a way of getting sort of a bit of pop culture humor into yeah, in, into Guardians for the people who are approximately the right sort of age. Yeah, I mean, even just like the troll. To line up to... You know, the... Yeah. And what I loved about that was that was literally someone getting trolled, um, which was which was quite nice. Um, but yeah, yeah and, and I think, you know, because it, it's one thing I always find kind of slightly frustrating in sci-fi is that people come from Earth but seem to lose all of the story and history and kind of pop culture of earth um you know like i don't mean to be funny but if you think we talk about events in our kind of day-to-day lives that happened three four five hundred years ago a thousand years ago you know you talk about the battle of agincourt or 1066 or you know so it always seems really it's surreal. a daily occurrence yeah yeah <laughs> Yes, all of my all of my pop culture references are based in medieval Britain. Um, but no, what what I mean though is you, is people talk about those things, and then what I always find really weird in sci-fi is all these people come from Earth but never mention in any of the history of Earth. Um, yeah, it's really weird. So it was quite nice, you know, seeing seeing. Um, it also raised another point in that they timelined when Star Lord left Earth and where he is now. And it lines up with the timeline of the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is an important thing to draw from it. You know, they, they haven't just gone off and put a guy in space and gone, it's 3000, you know, 3000 AD or whatever. It's, they, they've, they used it as another way of, of, of saying, look, this is, this is the same time, same universe. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was any doubt about that. I know, actually, of course, they've got like the collector and stuff has appeared in the post credit scene, Thor and stuff. So they've, mm. they've done that. But for anyone who was who wasn't immediately clued up that yeah, this is going to be in the same thing, and very likely, I think that come come Avengers three time, there will probably be at least some small presence of the Guardians. I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so I think given just given the connected universe and how how Marvel have been going with bringing everything together. Yeah, no, and they are they are good at kind of tying things together. Um, so I think the one thing you know you touched on it there, and I think it's something that we really, really, really need to talk about is Dafuk 
with the uh, with the oh god with the post credit scene with Howard the Duck in the collector yeah because everyone's going into this post credit scene going like oh what's it going to be is it going to be Avengers 2 is it going to be Guardians 2 what are we going to see and what's going to be important to it and lo and behold we are greeted by Howard the fucking Duck (laughs) (laughs) apologies my friend and not only was it terrifying but also it fitted really well it felt like something you'd see in the collector's Mm. you know it was there you're like yeah that's a weird alien looking duck (laughs) but I think it's also worth saying that I think that was a kind of statement from um, this sounds this probably sounds like I'm kind of thinking way too much into it but it's also a bit of a statement from Disney who obviously own Marvel saying now like you know we own George Lucas's ass and we'll we'll use it. I mean, the thing that terrifies me is, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this was a little bit of useless pop culture that I found out um, a little while ago. Um, The the budget of Howard the Duck, bearing in mind, I think it came out in 1986, was $35 million. 37? 30, well, 37, 37, there you go. But nonetheless, that is a hell of a sum of money for a film that bad. <laughs> yeah, do you want to know, also in a little fact, because Wikipedia, this is brought to you by Wikipedia, so maybe some citation needed, but apparently, uh, although there had been several TV adaptations of Marvel characters, this was the first attempt at theatrical release since Captain America serial of 1944. Wow. So, so, so that's kind of a bit of a... Like a this is how far it's come kind of thing. Like a little, like, remember how badly this went? And this is our first attempt in, like, yeah. 21 years. And now, 2014, we are... Things are going a lot better. <laughs> yeah, but also, I, th- I think the thing that's worth saying is that the the Marvel movies now are the cinema events. You know, they, they are yeah. the... Well, it's the largest grossing... Um, film series of all time now. Uh, you know, it's overtaken Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's 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 a, an achievement not to be taken lightly. Um, no, not at all. You know, when, when you think, you know, I'm thinking of kind of the fantastic fall back in like 1994 that was just terrible. And then, um, and you know, when, you, when, you, th- when you think... Mid-2000s. It was also terrible. Yeah, and and Daredevil and stuff like that, you know, that that were just absolutely panned. And when you think of how far, you know, the... I mean, to me, um, the X-Men films were okay, but I actually watched... I think what the X-Men films did was they they made it possible. Yeah, well, I I watched um, The Last Stand. Um, when I was, oh god, that was horrible. Yeah, when I was down in Glastonbury uh, a few weeks ago, I just thought, God, like Marvel films really have come a long way because this is really, really bad. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, know, those are these are Fox. They aren't Marvel Studios. They're Marvel IP, but they're not being yeah. Marvel Studios. But it's That's it's more stating. a case of yeah. But even saying that, dude, like you know, when so Marvel Studios were, were set up when when um when. Um, when Disney bought um, bought bought all the all the rights to all the Marvel comics, um, in yeah. what will probably be seen as a shrewd bit of business, um, 
you know, and then the the first one of of that lot was uh, Iron Man. Then there was the Incredible Hulk, um, and actually, I loved the Incredible Hulk um, with with a. I was about, I was about to say Graham Norton. That's why you shouldn't record podcasts at half ten at night. Yeah, with uh, with with Graham Norton uh, playing the Incredible Hulk. Um, just in case there's anybody listening out of the UK who doesn't know who Graham Norton is, Graham Norton is a gay, massively effeminate Irish um, talk show host. Um, who I'm trying to think of who you'd compare him to, kind of stateside. Um, I just don't. I just don't know. No, he's he's the male well, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> yeah, and has lots of money. Good. Please make that happen. Please make you know we're missing an incredible Hulk <laughs> with, um, you know, with uh, good lord, why can I not remember? Um, why have I suddenly gone blank of, um, with the, the actor who played in the Avengers? Help me, help me, Kyle. Why am I doing this? Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, of course. You know, we're missing an incredible Hulk film with Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Ruffalo. <laughs> are you <laughs> right? Are you drunk, Toby? <laughs> I'm not drunk, honestly. Um, you know, why not just have a, a Graham Norton? <laughs> I'm up for it. Incredible Hulk film. I'm, 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 I'd, I'd pay now. <laughs> well, the, so the one thing that's actually interesting thinking outside of the Marvel Studios um, is obviously next year they're, they're rebooting the Fantastic Four, uh, which to me, I'm just preparing myself for horrendous. Oh, I'm not a fan of Fantastic Four anyway, but I just, that's going to be horrendous. Mm. Um, uh, have they announced the cast list for that? Uh, yeah, they had. And I feel like I was very much. Oh God! It's going to be the same again. You know what? I don't normally do it, but let's let's take it to IMDb and find out. IMDb this is, has all the answers. This is this is enthralling listening for all of you people out there. Um, <laughs> so, listen, listen to Kyle type. Um, okay, so here we go. Cast list. Toby. Oh my God! It's got it's got Billy Elliot in it as the thing. <laughs> Hang on, wait. I'm not even kidding. Jamie Bell is playing the thing. <laughs> Again, I just have no words for that. For those of you who don't know who Billy Elliot is, just type it in. Um, in the Billy Elliot, it's a really, it's a really good story. It's it's right. a very good it's film. a very very good story, a very very good film. But he he wouldn't be but my choice. He's not for, the thing. No. Nah. Oh, Kate, Kate Mara's in it. She's good. She was in uh, she was in House of Cards and was awesome. Um, anyway, this is really, really, really bad <laughs> listening. Watch House of Cards or I'll punch you in the head. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so... You heard it first. <laughs> so when the assault charges... Toby, where did you get that black eye from? Well... <laughs> um, so, so, let's round it up. So, in terms of the kind of overall... Marvel Universe, you know, would you think, would you say that Guardians of the Galaxy is, you know, really up there for you? Oh, definitely. Guardians is... So, I, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, I have trouble I have trouble rating, like, the, the Marvel films at the top at the moment. I feel like they're, they're all really close, and I feel like it's quite hard to compare anything to the Avengers, because I, I view it's a different kind of film. Um, and so Guardians, 
I'm now trying to decide whether I enjoy it more or less than Winter Soldier. And that's difficult to do because they're both just two very different films. Mm. So, but yeah, for me, it's it's really up there. Um, yeah, no no other Marvel film comes comes close to to those two really. With just Avengers being the weird kind of outside exception because it's basically just saying we're going to have all the best bits of all the films. Yeah, and, and I think you know, so. Just, you know, to smush them together. Yeah, so so to me, the top three, in no particular order, because like you say, they are so different. Are Avengers, Guardians, and and Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, without but, that's that's the easy bit. Going any more than that is difficult. Yeah, and, and I think you know, I'm really excited to see where Guardians of the Galaxy is going to go, um, and what I'm really, really, really chuffed about is that the cinema was packed. You know, the, the yes, the thing that I was worried about was that it would be. You know, I was worried we'd have a serenity on our hands where it would be awesome, mm. but nobody would go and see it. Um, and it's it's good that they have that, you know, that, that, that it seems to be having a successful first weekend. I'm sure we'll get stats about that this week, but, you know. Uh, I can tell you that they've already hit 164 million, Biff. which means they've nearly made their budget back. Yeah, yeah. Which, and the, the other thing I've touched on really quickly about that is, um, I mean, obviously when you look at the amount that the Avengers netted in its, in its, in its run, a lot of people went to see it. Um, but the thing that's been really encouraging to me is, like you say, that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is it, it, huge mm. and it's made loads of money, but it's very clear that it's reached a wide audience. It isn't just making that money off like diehard comic fans. It, it's reaching a broader audience and it's becoming more, you know, some people like it. Oh, it's 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 kind of it's a bit rubbish. It's mainstream, but that's not that's not bad at all. It's good yeah. that people who are who aren't who aren't who haven't read the comics still love the films and love the characters and fantastic and and that's that i think has meant that i reckon guardians had been earlier in the in the marvel extended universe i don't think it would have got the wouldn't i don't think it would have been received as immediately um broadly because people would people might not yet got to the point where they're like marvel films i'm going to go and see pretty much everyone that comes out because by now i'm convinced that they're good um so yeah, I think it has that to its to its favour, but it's you know we were with a, a diverse crowd of people that we went to see it with, and I, and everyone came out enjoying it. So that's, yeah, that's and, awesome. and, I, and I think you know the thing that's worth saying on it is it's it it took all of those other films to to lay you know to kind of lay the way lay the path out for oh, for Guardians, and um, just so you know, I've just quickly looked at the stats and. Uh, so Captain America's opening weekend uh, was 95 million and made a gross of mm. uh, 258 uh, million in the US. The Avengers opening weekend was 207 million. <laughs> it's just obscene. This um, is mental. I just looked at the budget and the budget for, for Thor The Dark World, Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain America was all the same. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is cool. Like they get a kind of consistent, consistent budget for that stage of film. Yeah. Um, whereas, <laughs> whereas uh, I'm sure the Avengers just, I'm sure it was like two hundred odd. Um, there we go. All right, all right. IMDb boy. Um, uh, actually, Wikipedia. Uh, uh, but, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like fifty million is a grotesque amount of money, but it it's not 
that much more. Like, when you get to the point where it's 170 to 220, it's like, eh, yeah, that's more, but is it, you know... It's not a sizable dent. Um, and, you know, so I think, you know, my closing thought would be, more than anything, it's just a good time to be a comic book fan. I think, you know, comic book films are ace at the minute, and I'm thinking even down to... Um, you know the DC universe with with I, I love Man of Steel. Um, I'm intrigued to see what they do um, with um, Batman versus Superman. Um, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, Dread was phenomenal. I absolutely I loved really Dread. Like, <laughs> Dread was I feel like Dread ended up being a bit of a serenity. Like it was mm. it was really good and just sort of slipped under the radar. And Most expensive I British know. movie of all time. Really? Yeah, it was. It, it was funded by Rebellion. <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they do all the they do all the comics. <laughs> exactly, um, but no, it was yeah. um, you know. So it's just at the minute, it's nice to. So there was a time when you know th- there was the whole thing of if it's a if it's a video game of a movie, it will be terrible. And it was very much the same thing of if it's a movie of a comic book, it will be terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... So So we're looking forward to... We're looking to the future now they've started announcing films of The Last of Us and, and other sort of more movie times and games. And we're going, are we, are we going to get to the point yet where a film of a game can actually be good? <laughs> so weirdly, I'm going to put it out there. The one, there the one that I have my hopes pinned on is... Uh, the Warcraft film, and the reason being, that could be, it's Duncan Jones. Dun, yeah, Duncan Jones. Like that. If if it was He's anybody else, films, like, completely insane films. Yeah, well, if brilliant film. If it, if it was anybody else, I'd be dubious. But you know, I'm I'm in. I just think that's a brilliant yeah, plus choice. He's got Bowie's genes. Like you can't <laughs> go wrong with a bit of the Bowie. Exactly, and he's his and he's his son. <laughs> <laughs> with <laughs> it, <laughs> but um, I remember once uh, giving a lecture at BCU where um, somebody asked who he was related to, and I was so angered that I just said Sting, and I thought they'd they should <laughs> rev- revel in their ignorance for asking such a ridiculous question. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so there's there's a there's a poor student that left BCU somewhere thinking that Duncan Jones is. Dad is sting, um, but you know. And on that bombshell, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good night. The, the, the tired fangirl podcast on yeah, no, the galaxy but... and the Marvel extended universe. So and many other tangents. I don't. I don't believe in in kind of giving arbitrary scores. So I'm just going to say it was absolutely amazing. Go and see it. Um, go watch it. And make it I, your own mind, but go watch uh, it. Yeah, and and. I really can't wait to see uh, where the Marvel universe goes. I just think they're they're just getting better and better. Hmm. I will be rewatching Guardians a lot. Yes, it's, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's it was enjoyable and it has I think a lot of rewatchability to it, which I don't rewatch films a lot, so that's good. It's gonna be one of those films where it's gonna be like I watch films today, watch I watch Guardians. Yeah, no, I Done. agree. I agree. And it's Without very quote very, very quotable, which is Oh awesome. very quotable. You will have a you will have a good time. Yes. So, so Toby, it has been an absolute pleasure as always. And um, yes. should we uh, should we do a shout towards what we what might be coming in future in future weeks? As a, all right, that's literally a what I'm things to come. Do Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. So you know, professional. God. But but yeah, sorry about that. As as, <laughs> as punishment for your incidents. 
No. <laughs> no, we're so, doing um, a mystery box thing, and no one will know. Yeah. So, um, so this week actually, we're go- we're going to be having um, a really interesting show that I'm really looking forward to. So, um, there's a game come out on Steam Early Access called LA Cups, uh, which is um, one of the there's a there's a group of um, incredible creatives down at the Creative Arches uh, down in Leamington Spa, and Ollie Clark is um, is. One of the, you know, one of the chaps behind LA Cups, and we're going to have him on this week. Uh, Toby and I are going to be reviewing that, and we're going to be talking directly to the guy who uh, is a key part of their team, and you know, just about uh, the Laundry. game, what it is. Uh, yes, the old, mo- yes, yeah, sorry, we should, we should, we should mention the name Modern Dream. Go plug it. Plug it, plug it. Um, but no, that should be really interesting. I'm actually going to try as well. And get the chaps um, from Monster Monster um, as well, and uh, do the uh, deep loop as well, because they be awesome. get a lot of attention um, and and making super awesome things. And I've been playing deep loop all weekend, so um, well, I say that's, all weekend. That's the best kind of thing. Whilst on my obviously whilst, not while you were watching Guardians. No, no, or or doing the other things that I did this weekend. But it was when I say all weekend, I mean in my spare time. I shouldn't, I feel this shouldn't be exaggerated. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Toby... Yeah. So we're back, back to game stuff soon. Yes. Slight detour into into film reviewing. Sort yeah. Of. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't think we're fooling anyone that we're film reviewers. <laughs> um, back, we're giving back, opinions, completely biased. Yeah, so, so next week we'll be back to things that won't just be us quoting a film you haven't seen for 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So, uh, always a pleasure, and I'll speak to you later on in the week. Indeed. And thanks, everybody, for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Well done, Mr. Tobe. That was, yes, so very tired. Um, But we wouldn't normally record on a Sunday. It's just because, well, just because Guardians. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look at you straight into Dota, you filthy, filthy man.